In the spirit of reconciliation, Tabletop Unknown acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Tabletop Unknown Hello and welcome back to Tabletop Unknown, the show where we playtest lesser-known tabletop RPG games. RPGs. Because the G stands for game. Um, my name is Will, and I am back with my solo RPG, which I started last week, The Warlock of Firetop Mountain by Steve Jackson Games. We had um, been traversing through some caverns. We've picked up a bronze key carved with 99, and I've had a couple of battles as well. So let's dive straight back into it. Okay, so I had gotten to the point where I had found the key. Uh, I need to add one luck point. However, my luck is currently at its maximum value, so I can't add any more. And I need to go to 363. So let's do that now. Further up the passage on the west wall, you see another similar door. You listen at the door and, and grimace to hear the worst singing you have ever heard in your life. Do you want to go into the room to investigate this hideous din or walk on up the passageway? Um, well, I mean, look, investigating has done pretty well for me so far, so I'm going to investigate. The door opens to reveal a small room. The room is dirty and unkempt. A straw mattress lies in one corner. In the centre of the room is a wooden table upon which a candle burns, lighting the room with its flickering flame. A small box rests under the table. Seated around the table are two small creatures with warty skin, dressed in leather armour. They are drinking some sort of grog, and by the way they stagger to their feet on your arrival, you assume they are very drunk. You may either draw your sword and leap forward at them, or slam the door quickly to run on up the passage. Um, well I want to check what's in that box, so I'm going to draw my sword and leap forward at them. The two drunken orcs you now face are obviously startled at your entrance. Hey, we're startled. And as quickly as they are able, they fumble around for their weapons. You must attack each one in turn. Their drunkenness allows you to add one point to your dice roll when rolling to work out your attack strength during each attack round. Okay, that's cool. So that's giving me the instruction that when I go through my um, when I go through my attack rolls to work out who wins each attack, I get to add one point to each one, which is really nice. So let's do some dice rolls. Okay, there is uh, 13 for the first orc and 16 for me, but plus one is 17. So I attack the first orc. He has a stamina of four, so I, uh, I remove four. Uh, uh, sorry, I remove two. So he has a stamina of two remaining. Oh, that hurt. Um, and then it's going to, I imagine, uh, I imagine that they each take a turn now as well. It hasn't told me that. I'm just assuming that, that it's sort of going in like an order of turn, like your Dungeons and Dragons initiative tracker. So the first orc is going to roll, oh, far out. He's rolled uh, 12. So two sixes plus his five is 17. And I have an eight plus... 11, which is 
Uh, 19. Oh, man. Just, just, just beat him. Now it's the second orc's turn. So the second orc rolled um, a 6 and a 5 is 11. And I roll a 6 and an 11 is 17. So again, I, I, he misses me. Now it's my turn again, and I'm going to attack the second orc. He rolls a 7, and I roll a 19, so uh, I definitely attack. I'm actually going to try pressing my luck now um, to try and uh, double that, that, that score. So I'm going to press my luck. It is successful, so I'm going to uh, take 4 stamina from this second orc, which had 5 to begin with, so now he's down to 1. Oh no, my stamina! And then it's their turn again. So, uh, ooh, 11 plus 5 is 16 for the first orc's uh, attack roll. And I am 19, so again, he misses. Um, second orc is 11, and I am 20. So again, he misses. And we go back to my turn. So I'm going to attack that first orc again. He's down to two stamina. I'm going to try and uh, get rid of that. So... 7 plus 5 is 12, and 5 plus 11 is 16. So that's, I hit him, I take a swing, uh, it bites into his shoulder, and he goes down and is not moving. Um, the second orc is, is still a bit drunk, but notices this, and charges at me, swinging his, uh, swinging his axe. He rolls a 12... And I roll a 14. So he misses me once again. I'm going to jump back, turn to one side, and uh, and take a big old swing. And I get a uh, 13 for that. And he gets a 10. So I, again, big old swing, slices down, and takes off this second orc's head at the shoulders. And the battle is over. You wipe your bloodied sword on the mattress. The green blood leaves a slimy stain on the straw. Stepping over the bodies towards the table, you flinch at the foul stench of the creatures. You pick up the box from under the table and examine it. It is a small wooden box with crude hinges. The name Farigo di Maggio is inscribed on a brass nameplate on its lid. If you wish to open the box... Turn to page 296. If you decide to leave it behind and leave the room, turn to 42. Well, I, I, I definitely want to see the box. So two, 296. The box contains a small leather-bound book entitled The Making and Casting of Dragonfire. You open the pages and begin to read. Fortunately, it's written in your own language, and so it was probably not understood by the orcs. Otherwise, this treasure would certainly not be as loosely guarded as it was. The book is written in tiny handwriting by Farigo de Maggio, and in it he tells the story of his life's work, the creation of a dragonfire spell which with, with which to fight evil dragons. You, know how in, you read how in his last years Far, uh, Farigo... Farigo. Farigo finally perfected his spell, but by then was too old to make use of it. So he completed his book, locked it in a chest, and hid it in the depths of Firetop Mountain, afraid that it might fall into the wrong hands. The last page reads, And so you who now hold this book, you have my life's work in your hands. 
The power of destruction is yours if you wish it, but do not waste it. Unless you use the spell for the purpose for which it was intended, you shall be consumed by evil itself and die by the fire from your own hands. Remember only when the dragon breathes its fire at you, should you raise your arms and say, Ye kill Erif, ye come Erif, 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 Dimagio. Uh, you say these words slowly and softly. Okay, sorry. Ekil Erif, Ekam Erif, 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 Dimagio. Suddenly, the pages seem to glow, and as this glow disappears, so do the words on the page of the book. You repeat the spell to yourself to memorize it and leave the room. Uh, so I'm just going to make a note of that spell, because I do not want to forget that. Ekil Erif... Ekam Erif... 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 It's unclear if Demagio is part of the spell or if it is um, just like his signature, but it is written right. Like the way that the book is sort of structured, the 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 page, the the journal entry kind of takes up the whole page, and the spell is just sort of like centered, and it's very very short. Like each line is just Ekelerif, next line Ekelerif, um, and then Demagio is directly under that. So it looks like it's styled as part of the spell. So I guess I'm just going to say it, but I can imagine that there's this fuck who's just like. Up in, you know, uh, Firetop Mountain afterlife, looking down at me going, why does he keep saying my name? Why? <laughs> it's not part of the spell. Um, so I've repeated the spell to memorize it and I'm leaving the room. You eventually arrive at the end of the passageway at a three-way junction. You may either turn west or to the east. Um, I think I'm going to turn to the West. The passage runs straight for several meters and then ends at a wooden door. You listen at the door and hear angry shouting coming from within. Will you investigate or turn back? Again, investigating has worked pretty well for me, so I'm going to investigate. You open the door to a large room. A large chair behind a solid-looking table suggests to you that someone or something of rank uses this room. A chest in the centre catches your eye. In the corner of the room stands a man-sized creature with a warty face, standing over a smaller creature of a similar race, with a whip in his hand... Uh, sorry... Uh, with the whip in his hand, the orc chieftain has been beating his servant, who is whimpering beneath him. Will you attack them both, spring at the chieftain in the hope that his servant will aid you, or leave the room and head back for the junction? Um, he's whimpering beneath him. He's getting whipped. I'm going to attack the chieftain and hope that the servant will aid me. So, turn to 60... As you spring at the chieftain, his servant rises to his feet, picks up a hefty wooden stick and joins the melee. But to your disappointment, he attacks you, the ungrateful wretch. Seeing this, you may escape through the doorway down the corridor or continue the fight. Uh, if you choose to escape, you suffer normal escaping penalties. I mean, there's a chest here. 
I'm doing okay so far in terms of uh, in terms of battle, so I'm going to continue the fight. The battle commences. Uh, fight them one at a time. If you defeat them both, yada yada. Okay, so I'm going to start with the. So I'm fighting them one at a time, which I think last time I took to mean that we took it in turns, but I think what it means I need to do is just fight one and then either defeat him and then fight the other. Um, so I'm going to do it that way. So this I'm going to engage the Orc Chieftain straight up because the Orc Chieftain was who I was attacking originally. Uh, he has a skill of seven, so he has a skill of uh, attack of... Uh, 12 for this round and I have an attack of 16 so I, I take a swing at him um, I forgot to reduce my luck last time I pressed my luck too so I'm going to push that to 9 um, I take the swing at him and it hits it it, it like uh, slices across his chest and he screams and I'm going to press my luck to try and uh, follow up with a backhanded sort of uh, so I've sw you know swung down towards the towards the left. It's cut from his left shoulder down to his right side, and I'm going to take um, press my luck to try and sort of cut back across his belly and take another uh, two damage. So my luck is nine currently, and I roll a seven. Thank heavens! So I reduce my luck down to eight. and that is successful. I, as I sort of cut down across his. Uh, side from his left shoulder to his right side, I then sort of turn my wrist and slice back across his his belly, taking another two damage. So he is down to two stamina already, and he is going to take, um, he's going to sort of like uh, swing this great whip that he has and try and catch me across the face with it. Um, he has 14, and I have, uh, ooh, I have 14. So what happens in that? I'm going to look. I don't, the, the rules don't clue aren't clear on what happens in a, in a, in a tie. So I'm just going to assume that he is the attacker. So he wins. Um, he catches me across the face with the whip, uh, temporarily blinding me. And, uh, I reduce my stamina by two. Um, I'm not going to press my luck again to try and reduce that. I'm going to take the two stamina. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to... This is me just sort of adapting the rules to make it a little bit more interesting um, for for you as the listener, but also for me as the player. So I'm going to assume that that whip caught me across the eyes and uh, it's going to mean that I only get to roll one dice now for the attack roll uh, instead of the usual two. Um, so the... the I'm gonna. Uh, it's my turn attacking now, so the orc chieftain gets eleven, and I get sixteen. So, um, I was quite lucky, I guess, in my initial rolls that my skill roll was was very high, which is great. Um, so uh, I still managed to out of the like out of through the 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 blood that is sort of dripping down into my eyes from my forehead where the whip has caught me. Um, I still managed to uh, hit the chief, orc chieftain um, and just sort of run my sword straight through his, his chest. Um, and he falls to the ground dead. Uh, and now the servant has his wooden staff, which he picked up and is swinging it towards me. 
and he's going to attack me while I am just sort of recovering from uh, this uh, battle with the chieftain. And he gets a 15 on his skill roll. And because I'm still blinded, I'm only going to roll one and I get a 16. So he, uh, even though he's sort of swinging at me, he's making enough noise that I managed to duck out of the way and the, the staff just sort of sails overhead. Um, and I, I am going to attempt to sort of turn and as I pull the sword from the chieftain, just go straight into us, like straight into um, taking this, uh, this servant's head clear off which is uh is going to take an at a successful attack roll and it's going to take a pressing my luck so uh let's go with the attack roll first so the servant gets a uh 13 and i get a 17 and now i'm going to press my luck which is unsuccessful crap so as I pull the sword from the chieftain and I turn and swing it towards the uh, servant's throat, he um, he sees it coming and he sort of throws his staff in the way of the sword at the last minute and just sort of glances off his shoulder. It does do one stamina of damage, but um, but it certainly wasn't the effect that I had. Uh, and my uh, luck is now reduced to seven. The servant's going to then... Uh, because he's sort of knocked the sword out of the way, I'm off balance a little bit. He's going to try and press that advantage and sort of uh, and swing the, the the club back in under my arms towards my ribs. Uh, he rolls a twelve and I roll a eighteen, so I, I manage to sort of turn just to to have it sort of glance off um, my leather armor, and I'm going to uh, bring the sword back down and try and sort of bring it just basically straight down to to sort of cut him in half straight from head to toe. Um, the servant gets a 13 and I get a 17. So that happens. Absolutely. He, uh, he just sort of sees it coming and can't really turn out of the way or anything. The sword just slices him straight down from, from head to about chest height. And, uh, he just sort of drops his stuff and falls back. And as he falls back, the sword pulls free. Uh, that was uh, quite a tough battle considering uh, some of the other ones have been pretty easy. So I'm just going to sort of like slump to the ground and take a moment as I, uh, as I take in what is around me in the room of which is a chest, which I, uh, um, which I originally had come in here, which I, it was what originally caused me to start this fight in the first place. The green blood of the dead orc smells foul as it, foul as it sneeps, seeps from their bodies. You step around the corpses and investigate the chest. It is a sturdy affair made of strong oak and iron, and it is firmly locked. You may try to smash the lock with your sword, or leave it alone and go through the open door. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try smashing it with the sword. The lock was obviously inadequate. It flies off and lands on the floor several meters away. You lift up the heavy lid and your eyes widen as you see the gold sheen coming from within. A fair number of gold pieces are inside. In one corner lies a small black bottle with a tight glass stopper containing a liquid of some kind. Also in the chest is a silky black glove. But as you are admiring this treasure, you hear a soft click and wince in pain as a small dart shoots forward into your stomach. 
Roll one die and subtract this number of points from your stamina to determine the effect of the poison on the dart tip. If you are still alive, turn to 201. Crap. Okay, so I was booby-trapped. Uh, so I'm rolling 1d6. It's a 6. So that takes my stamina down to 12. Um... But I am still alive. So I'm turning to page, turning to 201. You sink to the floor. You pull out the dart and decide to bandage the wound. This gives some relief, but you still feel weak. You decide to take it easy and examine the contents of the chest. But if you wish, you may eat some provisions here. There are 25 gold pieces and the label on the bottle shows it to be a potion of invisibility. Good for one dose. The glove is a mystery. You may put it on. You may put any or all of these in your haversack and leave the room. Um, so I'm going to put them all in my haversack. So I've got 26 gold coins now after I found one last episode. Um, I've got a potion of invisibility and I've got a mystery glove. Cool. Um... So I put all these in my in my rucksack and I sort of push myself to the f to my feet, but it is hard, and I just sort of am holding my my stomach where the the wound is, and I uh, I sort of I stumble out of the room. You arrive back at the junction in the passage and walk straight on eastwards. Easy enough. You arrive at another junction in the passage. You may either go northwards or continue eastwards. Um, I think I'm going to go northwards this time. So 285. You see a well-used door on the right hand, uh, east side of the passageway. With your ear to the keyhole, you listen to hear a man screaming for help from inside. Will you open the door or walk on? Oh, I'm going to help someone. So if they're, if they're asking for help, I'm going to help them. So... 213. The door is locked. You may try to charge it down by rolling two dice. If the number rolled is equal to or less than your skill score, the door bursts open. Turn to 36. If the number is greater than your skill score, the door remains locked. You lose one stamina point for your bruised shoulder and must progress up the passage. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try and uh, charge it down. So I'll roll the two dice and it is equal to or less than my skill score because my skill score was quite high to begin with. I was quite lucky in that roll. Um, so it busts open. Listeners, I think I'm actually going to call it there for not only this session, but also this campaign. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm finding it quite hard to keep interested in this game and I think it comes down to a number of things so if we just do a little bit of a mini pizza talk for a second um, this game is very linear and even though there's choices uh, there doesn't feel like there's the freedom of choice that your particular that your your traditional tabletop role-playing games have and that's to be expected I guess um, given that it is a pre-written book and that it's not really designed for that but I'm quickly learning the things that I enjoy about gaming and and this game just isn't giving me that same experience. There's no collaboration, I think. And a lot of uh, tabletop role-playing games that are designed for solo play do have an element of collaboration within them, and we may explore some of those in the future. However, for this 
I think that um, I think that another weakness is perhaps the um, stamina rolls and the, 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 all of the stats rolls really that you do at the start of the game. I rolled quite well, and so it became uh, near impossible for me to lose a, a, a battle, and it only really happened when I started pressing my luck um, and using that resource there. Um, and I was only losing because I was losing the luck rolls, not because I was losing the stamina rolls and losing those those fights. The, the rules are so, also a bit unclear. There was a couple of times where I had to take liberties and, and make assessments based on what I know about tabletop role-playing games uh, and and the, the like to try and get some sort of resolution. In particular, I, my, my thoughts go to the draw that we had not long ago earlier in this episode. Um, so in terms of... Would I recommend this to new players? I don't think so, no. Um, it's very dry, it's very... Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of content. Um, and it's just not a really good representation as to what tabletop role-playing can be. Uh, if I was perhaps speaking to a younger player who wasn't really... hadn't experienced any of the, you know, the old-school uh, choose-your-own-adventure books or anything like that, maybe I would recommend it to them, um, but I certainly wouldn't really be recommending it to anyone else under any other circumstances. So I'm going to call it there, because uh, it, I don't like this game, and I don't want to keep playing it. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, but look, thank you very much for joining me on this uh, on this little journey and this little experiment. Uh, our next season is going to be covering Cyberpunk Red, and that should be out sometime early January. Have a very safe and merry holiday, uh, whatever you uh, celebrate. Make sure it is safe and with your family and friends, and uh, until next time. Tabletop Unknown is Will as the Adventurer. The Tabletop Unknown theme is by Will, and the Warlock of Wizard Mountain theme is Adventure by Alexander Nakarada. Additional sound effects are from zapsplat.com. We are now powered by the 8-Bit Network and Audio-Technica, so head over to 8bit.net to, uh, to check out some of Australia's leading podcasters in the pop culture sphere. That is 8-Bit, A-T-E-B-I-T.net. If you want to write or contact us, you can at tabletopunknowncast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook for any additional info or resources. As I said earlier, the next episode will be up in early January, so we'll see you then. Tabletop Unknown